it's only two weeks ago when we celebrated the resurrection. And uh, as, as a church family, the, the theme that we kind of focused on was the, the, the significance of the new life that God gives to each and every one of us. And last Sunday, we had a very good reflection of what that new life looks like by two baptisms. And I think it has really fitted well with what we, well, it's a God-given, what, what God has been wanting to do with us as a church, because we've been going through the series of simply good news. And just to remind myself and remind you this morning that simply does not have anything to do with the simplicity, but it has to do with no baggage or no extraordinary stuff that we add into it, no add-ons. Just go down to that bare, to that genuine, to that mere message of, of the theme, of the good news. We're going to do simply discipleship, we're going to do simply Sabbath, and all those things. But it doesn't have to do, because all of this in themselves are very complex. But we want to go down and say, well, actually, what is it that God wants us to learn as as, as um, as a church community. So, Colin, could you help me with the first slide, please? Because today we're going to be talking about simply good news. And what does it mean, or what does it look like? How can we understand, and how can we affirm and bless and encourage one another to keep going by having this good news, this gospel, in the centre of what we do and what we are engaged with? Good catch. Um, and I think, I think I really wanted, um, I've been reading through the book of Acts, and uh, this morning I was reading it again, from the beginning to the end. And b- before, before we jumped into some of the things that I want to share from the book of Acts, I want to, to, to remind us, what do we mean by the word gospel? What do we mean by, by saying good news? What, what, what is it? And I'll have to read this. In the simplest of terms, the gospel is the life, death and the resurrection of Jesus that accomplishes redemption and restoration for all who believe in him and for all creation. So it's good news for people who come to Jesus and they accept what he has done. And that's what happened with with Eva and Magdalena last Sunday, is what 1 Corinthians chapter 15 says, that Christ died, he was buried, he was resurrected, and he was going to come again. And this is part of the good news. Now, I'm going to say a statement here, which I thought of it this morning, and it sounds, sounds a little bit harsh, but um, I, I want to say it, because I think without the gospel... And this is not deep, so, um, but I, it made me think this morning. Um, without the gospel, without the good news, there is no story of salvation. And therefore, there isn't a church, because there is not a mission to accomplish. And I know that, you know, I'm going to come back to this statement again, but <clears throat> without the gospel, without the good news, there is no story of salvation. And therefore, 
Because there is no story of salvation, there is no church with a mission to go and bring people to reconcile themselves with God. And with that, with that in mind, I just wanted to have a look a little bit that, at the whole idea that how, how did the early church experience the good news? What did they make to put that as part of their center, of their everything that they did? And what are some of the things that we, we, could, we could engage with as a result of that? So, looking, looking at, at the book of Acts, it's very interesting how, how you read from the beginning where actually God promises the Holy Spirit to the disciples. Um, and Jesus says, you'll receive the power when the Holy Spirit will come on you and you'll be my witnesses, starting from Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the skies of the world. Because you're going to be my witnesses of what I have accomplished on the cross, of that good news that actually is good news for the world. And actually it's the best news that, 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 that there is out there. And it's, it's interesting how, how the new Christians or new followers embrace this good news and all of a sudden they made this as part of the package that actually they, they took this mission that God had given them very seriously. And from the very beginning, you see, you see fire in the book of Acts. You see action. You see, really, let's get on with it. Can we have the next slide, please, Colin? Um, because actually, it meant for them that this good news was so transforming that they could not stop showing and telling and talking about this. You know, if you have a look at Acts, I'm, I'm going to run through some verses just to, to, to remind us of some of the incidents which we would call, but they were God-given, uh, just to, to, to get an impression of what's going on in the book of Acts. You know, <clears throat> it's, you've got Peter in chapter 4, who is challenging all the Jewish passionate, you know, these fervent leaders that have been following this law and stuff, and he says... Well, actually, you know what? This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders. But now, he has become the cornerstone. It's fundamental. It's nothing else what you, what, what, what you thought of. Nothing else of what you, you even, even dreamed of, your Messiah. But he has become the cornerstone. And Peter has got the guts to say this to the Jewish leaders. And then... Uh, I don't know if you, if you remember the incident when they get arrested and Gamaliel, the priest, says, well, I'm not sure if we can mess around with this because if God is in this, you're in trouble and I'm in trouble. So, verse 39 of chapter 5 of Acts says they followed his advice. And then you've got other moments in the book of Acts where... where the, the, the calling of the good news was so personal. You've got, you know, when, when, when Paul's conversion in Acts chapter 8 and 9 happens, well, actually, um, in, in that story, we, we forget uh, the, the, the impact that, that Ananias brings in all of this. Because God is calling Ananias out of his normality. And he says, 
go and meet the guy who's just until yesterday tried to kill you. And Ananias says, yes, Lord, what do you want me to do? You want me to go and see him? Okay, I'll be obedient. I'll go. And then he goes to Paul and he says, Brother Saul, God has sent me. And at that moment, those um, things, scales come out of Paul's eyes and, uh, and this, this miracle happens. And from this point onward, we've got the gospel that is, is, is being transformative and transforming the whole world um, because of what happened to Paul as well. So, um, another, another thing that happened, uh, let's, let's have a look. If you, if you remember uh, in Acts chapter 13, the, the, the community of faith has have really been, been um, confused because in Acts chapter 12, you've got the same group of people who is praying for um, God to deliver James from prison and he, he gets killed. And the same group of people who prays for uh, um, Peter to be released, get, and Peter gets released. And, and then he, the people deal with this, this, this way that how God can answer the same prayer in a different way. And what, what Peter is doing here, it's, um, it's, it's, it's saying, you know, um, let's read verse 13, uh, chapter 13, verse 43. And after the meeting of the synagogue broke up, many Jews and those devout converts to Judaism followed Paul and Barnabas, who they spoke with them and urged them to continue in the grace of God. So it's this ongoing way of saying that actually the good news is not just a one-off thing. This gospel is not just something that happens at this, at this time, and then nothing else happens about it. But it's, it's this ongoing, this ongoing thing that is, is actually spreading and is being contagious uh, all over the place. Also, you see that in the way that they wanted to give out this gospel message, in the way that they wanted not only to make it central, but they wanted to give it out, they were very clever in the way that they looked at the context. If you see how Peter preaches and shares the gospel to the Jewish community, he shares them with a context that they knew the history. And somehow, in, in, in this God-given speeches that he, 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 he shares with them, he always, always brings the story the long-standing story of these people with their gods into one man, Jesus the Messiah. Have a look at Paul in the way that he deals with Greeks, in the way that he deals with other people. And there is always a context that actually the message of the gospel is still central. The message of the gospel, because they have experienced it firsthand themselves, they cannot avoid it, they cannot really manipulate, they cannot negotiate with it. They have to come from their own encounter with this good news. And therefore, they're in that position to share it on the context, on the given context. Which reminds me when I first became a Christian. And 
It's very interesting because we didn't have any church history. We didn't have any church baggage. We, we didn't have anything really until somebody told us that do you know what? That there is a God that loves you. And He loves you so much that He has sent the Lord Jesus to die on the cross, to be buried and to resurrect so He can reconcile Himself with you. Otherwise, you're in big trouble. And what do you do with this message if you haven't had the baggage of religion, of influence? I mean, communism was our religion. And also, once you encounter this, and you see that it's working in your life, of course you want to share it. And one of the reasons why the church back home was so successful in the early days was because everything was so simple and no frills and no nothing but it was just the bare bones of the good news because it meant a lot for people. It meant a lot for them directly and they were experiencing this God's transforming grace in their lives firsthand and they were able to share it and say, well actually we can do it. And I just don't want to, us to think that we cannot do the same thing again. And the reason why I said, what does it look like to be a gospel-centered church, is that I think we need to keep reminding ourselves that we need to become more and each day more gospel-centered. By saying that, I'm not saying that we're not don't misunderstand me. But saying that, that I'm just saying that we, we haven't got this gospel in the center of what we do. But I just want to bring it in because I want to bring the gospel in the center of it in its own simple, mere message. We are so blessed as a church community. We're so blessed with all the different opportunities that we've got to reach out from this building. I think we're so blessed as well with having so many of you in crucial places in society. And I think this is an opportunity that God gives us not only for us to gather here on a Sunday, but the, 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 the indicator is that if we've got the gospel as the center of our gathering, if we've got the gospel at the center of what we do and who we are, of course, this is going to be the, the, the thing that is going to excite us to go back to work on Monday and reach out with the good news. Friends, family, colleagues, neighbors, visitors, Students, you name it. Going back to the um, book of Acts, I, I've gathered three things that I think they're important. I think we can we can draw some parallelisms with. Um, can we have the next slide? <clears throat> First point, please. So the <clears throat> so the early church. The early Christians, what we see in the New Testament, 
they found themselves being immersed in this transforming opportunity that the gospel gave. And they embraced it. I've said it in the past, that unless the gospel of Jesus Christ is good news for the church, is no point proclaiming it. So it has to be good news for me and for you. It has to be good news for me and my family. It has to be good news for me and my church. It has to be good news. Otherwise, what's the point? And that's why I want to go back to that phrase of saying that without the good news, there is no story of salvation. And therefore, there is no church. And it's like a circle. So the question that I've got for us is in our day-to-day lives, and I'm not going to put days of the week here, but in our day-to-day lives of worship, how are we pointing people that we care and we love and we pray for to embrace the good news of Jesus? This is a searching question because the, question, the next question that I want to ask is that if we are just living in a bubble and the gospel is just good news for me, I think we have not experienced the fullness of the good news ourselves. By that I mean that there is no way that I can stop being contagious about good news if this has not had a full meaning for me. So, My encouragement to you and to myself this morning is let's embrace this good news. Let's, Let's really say, God, this is your gift to us. You gave the Lord Jesus to us. And we want to embrace that. But we want to be embracing that in a way that our lives change in such a way or our church activities and outgoings and doings and whatever change in such a way that ultimately people, those that have not embraced the good news before, will come to that place to say, yes, I want that Jesus. Yes, I want that gospel. Yes, I want that transforming grace of God to be for me. And I think the challenge is very big. The second thing that the, the, the church, the early church did as well, and I think that there is, there is that element that we could embrace and draw parallels with. Can I have the... Yeah. They seized every opportunity. They made the most of every opportunity to bring the good news in different contexts. I spoke a little bit about Paul and Peter earlier on. But every time, I mean, have a look at the way that Stephen is stoned to death. But before he's stoned to death, he has to tell them about the story of how, again, their people journeyed. 
And these people must be hearing these stories constantly because the fascinating thing is that it always, all these stories of God's and the people of Israel stops with Jesus. It must be for them so annoying that they are so against it, but they still keep coming. You know, Peter brings their attention to Jesus. Stephen brings their attention to Jesus. Paul brings them to attention to Jesus. Barnabas, because actually the gospel begins and stops with Jesus. And I don't say that lightly. The good news begins and stops with Jesus. And because that's the case, I really want to live out my life that I make the most of every opportunity to share this good news. And perhaps you're sitting here today and you think, well, I've got somebody in mind. Maybe you sit here today and you're saying, well, I know somebody could do with this intervention, transforming grace of the good news. My encouragement is, let's come to God together about that particular person, about a particular situation, a particular friend, a particular member of the family. It's, it's between you and God. And that's why we, that's why we want to treat the, the, the Alpha series is, as an opportunity for us not only to be thinking about the questions and being in our groups, but also be thinking how we're going to be actually in cha- challenging and prompting one another that we can be these bearers and, and, and proclaimers of the good news. And the third point is so, so paramount. And I, I mentioned the verse earlier on and I want to, to bring it again. The urging for us to continue with God's grace. I think we've got, we've got a problem. Uh, the church in the West has got a problem. Actually, I would say the problem is so contagious that it has gone also in other parts of the world. And unfortunately, instead of us being God-gospel-centered, we have become self-centered to the point that we would rather have programs or structures or organizational things run the story of our church rather than have the gospel transform lives and the kingdom of God expanding. Now, this is a very strong statement. I appreciate that. And I know that that's a very strong statement. But I'm not saying that for us to look at it and saying, oh no, we're really like that. I'm looking at that opportunity for us to think, if the tension is to be gospel-centered and self-centered, 
Where are we as a church community? Um, what what will, would need to happen to tip the balance that we are becoming more and each day gospel-centered and less and each day moving away from the self-centeredness. I think it's a very normal human being to do. Um, now, <clears throat> I spoke to Pete about this a little bit on Sunday and uh, Pete Barton has spoken to someone this week and that's Angela uh, Sutton. And Angela, would you like to share something about that? If it's... I'll bring the... Well, we went to um, Spring Harvest at the beginning of April and um, went to a few of the sessions, not all of them. And one of them was... uh, The address was given by um, Anne Calver... And during the address, she said she was given a picture. And the picture was of a very well-dressed man sitting down at a dining table having a meal. And she watched him eating, and then she thought, well, he's going to finish soon. But he didn't. He kept on eating and on and on. She couldn't believe it. And she saw him grow bigger and fatter and his clothes got very, very tight and his face got flabby and it was horrible to look at. She felt really ill just looking at him. So she said to the Lord, "Why why are you showing me this picture? And the answer came back, this is a picture of the church. It's taking in a lot of good stuff, good things, but just not doing anything with what it's been given. She's had a lot of other things as well, but that was the gist of that. Thank you so much. That's very helpful. And that's, that's, that's what I mean by us. Also, this illustration is a great illustration. And that's what, that's what we mean when we say that actually we want to be becoming more self-centered that we've been given this good news, we've been given this good news of Jesus Christ. She says, Amen, I know. Um, We've been given, and again, instead of looking inwards, because it's so transforming, we want to be generous with it. And I think that's where I want to stop today. Um, As part of the response, I really want for you this morning to or afternoon almost um, to look at those three challenges and perhaps you've got a situation in your life where you want the gospel of Jesus Christ to bring transformation and life And perhaps it's so difficult that you are at the point of giving up. And our response is that 
although we may not know what you're asking, as a gathered body of Christians here, we are committing to hold you up before God and beg God that his gospel will bring transformation in that situation. Perhaps you're sitting here today and you're saying, the baptisms last week were phenomenal and it reminded me of the story of salvation and it reminded me of my story and I've been, well, that's where I am. I've been over the moon the whole week because it really reminded me of life that God had given me. And I want to say, God, I want to go deeper in trusting in this good news that truly can be good news for me and for people that surround me. So before Jenny and the band comes and leads us, I just want to give us some time, some space. And perhaps you're thinking of something totally different that God has put in your heart and we also want to stand with you with that.